We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Street's finest. Happy to be joined again by the coach Mark Lieberman. I'm merely Jack Grossman. And man, we got a lot to hit on today. Coach, first of all, welcome back on the pod. Super excited always to get to do our thing here on Floyd Street's finest part of the Field of 68 podcast network. Coach, how you been, man? I'm good. Just been uh just uh a lot going on. Uh just uh with some some new endeavors and and uh yeah, but sorry, I've been uh, I've been you know uh, MIA. So I'm glad to be back with you, Jack. Uh, pleasure's all mine, Coach. Really, really excited to get into things with you. And what's really been, I'll put it this way: after the Miami win, we talked about this. Uh, we had a mutual friend, Mark Ennis, on over from 93 mm-hmm. in the Ville last week, and we talked about how it was kind of unfortunate in a way that Louisville they play well against Miami, they they get the win there, but then they enter the stretch where the ACC is not a great league this year, but it's better than it's been the last couple years. But the top of the league, I think, is really good this year, with that being North Carolina and Duke, even though they lost to Pittsburgh on Saturday night at home. Um, You know, Wake Forest is a good team. NC State's a good team. You got a top four, five, six there that I feel like are pretty good before it drops off. And for Louisville to win that Miami game, finally feel like you're starting to get something, then you enter in that stretch of NC State, Carolina, Wake Forest, Duke, Virginia, so on and so forth. That stinks. It is. That's a tough end. But yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll let you go, Coach. Go ahead. Well, yeah, but, you know, the 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 stretch, and, and, and we just talked about it, but, you know, you, you come off the Miami game, and you really have to time, kind of take a step back especially in the coaching circles, because you get a win. Is it sustainable? Is it something we did really well? Is it something the team that we didn't do really well, but the, st- the team that we were playing, you know, struggled with? And, and then you get a small sample size, and then you have to look at it and you stretch it out because they really haven't got, you know, they're, they're playing a Pitt, an NC State, uh, a Miami, um, you know, Wake Forest, who can score. It's not a great defensive team, right. not overly physical. And, and now you hit where you've got, you know, Duke on Tuesday. And that's the thing. They play the Wake Forest team, Louisville, Jack, that just came off a loss, a, a, a very emotional game with technicals, and it was very physical. And uh, against NC State, 
and now you get Wake Forest at home and they're chomping at the bit. Now you got a Duke team coming up on Tuesday, Jack, that's the same thing, coming off a loss that's going to have a disposition. Because the, the, the fact is, when you're playing a Louisville team, and I'm not discrediting some things they did well against Miami, Miami shot 11 of 34 from the three-point line, and 12 of those threes were wide-open looks. So think if they hit three or four of those, it's a completely different game. So now you come back home and have to play a a Duke team that is going to be, you know, not going to take Louisville lightly. And, you know, when you're playing against a team that's on the bottom tier, sometimes you're overlooking that, you're looking ahead. So those things happen. Yeah, and, that, and that's something that, you know, I, I talked about last week with, with Mark Ennis. I said, look, you give Louisville credit for winning the Miami game. However, to be completely honest, I don't know if I've ever seen a team care less about a basketball game than Miami did <laughs> that night. I mean, Jack, when it you're was down there, rough. Yeah, when yeah, you're I down mean, there, a lot look, of distractions. I, yeah, it's 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 not just that, and it's not like these guys are pros where they're going out to South Beach till five in the morning. But flip it to Miami, where you have a team coming in that's lost the games that they've lost, Arkansas State, so on and so forth. And Miami's at home. You saw the crowd; it was very, you know. It sparse. was a sparse crowd, and you have a situation where, okay, do you really get jacked up to play a Louisville on a, you know, on a weekday and that kind of stuff? It's just – it's hard, and they have the lead, and then all of a sudden they have slippage. They're taking bad shots. Louisville is, is, is feeling like, hey, we have a chance in this game, and all of a sudden it becomes that. So where do you go from there? Then you have that, but you can't – and I've said this. They've, they've, they've progressed offensively. They're running some, some good stuff. They're running – Better actions, they're running baseline runners, they're running exit screens, they're running ball screens into lifts and so on. But defensively, they've just they've just regressed. If you look at their numbers, Jack, I mean, against Virginia, 51.7 field goal percentage against, um, you know, North Carolina, 48.3, NC State, 54.2, Miami, 39%, we talked about, but the anomaly was 11 for 34 from the three-point line. You know, Pitt, 45.6. And then Wake Forest goes 18 for 35 from the three-point line, Jack. And, you know, the shots that they're getting, you know, Louisville is soft trapping a lot of ball screens. And that's really, you know, they can't affect the pass coming out of that trap. And so Wake Forest is sharing the ball, making the extra pass. Those looks were clean. They're getting the shots that they like from in comfort levels from the corner off of the double teams. It, it's just not a winning formula defensively um, for this team to compete consistently in the ACC. Yeah, and let's look at this. I think talking about Wake Forest, because I'm going with you. You look at, you know, you, you throw out the field goal numbers. I threw it out on Twitter yesterday, the points per possession. Mm-hmm. Since the Kentucky Good game. Stuff, Jack. I saw that. Good thanks, stuff. Thanks. But for those who, who may not know, I, I feel like I always have to give this because it's more of an analytic points per possession, how many points you score per possession mm-hmm. yeah, defines itself. But on average, the goal offensively, you want to be above one. Defensively, you want to be under one. The best for comparison point per possession team in the country right now, the most efficient offense in college basketball is Alabama. And credit to, uh, I forget his name, but someone on Twitter responded to the tweet with this. Alabama's point per possession is 1.22. That's really, really good. Again, the best in the country. Louisville, since December 21st, has played Kentucky, has played Virginia, Pittsburgh, Miami, NC State, North Carolina and Wake Forest. That's seven games. In six of those games, their opponent has been over 1.22 points per possession. That's insanity. That's That means your opponent's been literally the best offense in the country playing against you. Look at Bart Torvik's numbers. 
Louisville, according to Torvik, which he has, you know, a great eight leg side, you can search, you can filter by date. Louisville since December 21st is 317th in the country defensive efficiency and is allowing opponents to shoot 42.3% from behind the arc, which is 356th. And you watch it. I mean, you talk about the soft, the soft traps and all that stuff. Why are you soft trapping Wake Forest? Wake well, Forest is that, a team that spreads you out. They want to mm-hmm. shoot the three ball. That's the MO. That's the game plan. They well, want to shoot the three. And if you're Louisville, you're shop, you're soft trapping. You're putting yourself in rotation. And they were quite frequently, you know, both guys would trap. Mike James or whoever was on the baseline would come and tag the roll man. And it's just a simple one pass for a three. Like, it, it, it's routine. It's easy. And I look at it, it's like, why would you defend the ball screen like that when you're playing right into what Wake Forest wants you to do? Jack, bad things happen when the ball's in flight. So if you're not reacting to it and being proactive, if you're not moving on the flight of the pass and beating the ball, you're in trouble. So they're reactionary on a lot of that stuff. But if you break it down from pin downs, like North Carolina is not a heavy ball screen team. They love to run pin downs. They love to run splits. They're trying to play through Baycock and, and, and play out of him. And you look at it, are they switching? Are they staying on some of those pin downs? Are the big showing and swiping? On the corners, are they coming off or are they staying home? Are they denying or are they helping? You know, are you fronting or playing behind? Caleb Glenn looked pretty bad against North Carolina in the post, but he wasn't getting a lot of help because the best post defender is ball pressure. And so ball screens, are you trapping? Are you switching? Are you dropping? Are you downing? You know, and against Wake Forest, you know, there was 11 soft doubles, which is what they do. And so guys are just – this. You know, for me, there's a formula like you get back in there and you say, okay, this is what we are. This is our standard defensively. You watch them in transition. There's not a lot of pointing and talking. They're not sure who's picking the ball. There's not stunting. So it is insanity. But if you watch the games, Jack, and you watch, and I know you have, and as a coach, if I'm scouting this team and saying, okay, how do we attack them? I mean, it's transition and it's ball screens and you're going to get open shots. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really pretty simple. And I get it. Ball screens are difficult to defend. And there's a reason why everyone runs ball screens these days because it, it yeah, works. It's not especially, even, yeah. yeah, especially when you have, you know, like you're a Wake Forest and you've got all that shooting on your roster. It's very tough to defend. But you look at it consistently. I mean, you mentioned it. The offense has been a lot better. Louisville, I, I forget how many points Boston, Boston College scored yesterday. But up until that point, when you're, Louisville's playing Carolina, Louisville scored 70 points. Normally, that's not something to write home about, but North Carolina over the past month has been the best defensive college team in, in college basketball. And Louisville is the first team since Kentucky on December 16th to break 70 points. But the defense was so bad, you still lose that game by 16, and you really don't threaten well, in that game. Yeah, to that point, like I said, it goes it harks back to what I said earlier. It's very hard for a Carolina at home coming off a blowout of Syracuse and all right, we got Louisville coming in. We've seen their record. We've seen what they do. Oh, we'll just customer. You look at the first half, they dominate the first half. Yeah. And then you just have that law. It's human nature. You have slippage. As coaches, we, you know, when we have big leads at halftime, no matter who we're playing, we're like, you know, shoot, we got, we got to figure this out. I almost cursed. I don't know if we're allowed to do that. But <laughs> hey, we're uh, not, we're not on radio. It's fine. <laughs> okay, fair enough. So it's like, shit, like, what are we going to do in the second half to keep these guys engaged? And I know, I know uh, Louisville outscored him by one. You know, it's not a measuring stick. For, that's not the standard for Louisville basketball. Right. And so you're looking at, the, at, at what these teams, you know, are doing. And we talked about the offense improving. 
you know, look, it, they have skilled guys who can score the basketball. And really, there's a lot of coaches. I mean, Coach K, and, and it's not a knock. It's almost like stay out of their way offensively. Go. Spread the floor. Make plays. You have good players. Louisville's doing the same thing. They're spreading the floor. They're running some good actions. But they're, they're able to score, and they have some guys. They understand now where the bread's buttered. They're feeding the elephants of peanuts. Hatfield's getting the ball down low. You know, they're playing out of him. But it doesn't matter because this isn't a game where, like, hey, it's okay if we do that on that end. You have to be so proficient on the offensive end. And, and, and it's just I, – I, I'm just it, – it's hard to fathom conceptually what, what defensively they're trying to do because you know you're going into a wake team that shoots it so well that every – excuse me, every action is like, should be a switch uh, against them on every ball screen with hands high, make them drivers, you know, make them, you know, have to, to get in the lane. And it just, it, it's, it, it's just surprising that, that this is going into these games. This is how Louisville wants to guard or is choosing not to guard or, or what have you. Especially with, with, you know, what Louisville is at lineup-wise right now to where, yes, I, I get it, they're shorthanded, they're they're without a lot of front-line guys, and they're being forced to play a lot smaller than you want to. Mm -hmm. But the one thing you normally do when you play small, it allows you to switch. That makes it a lot easier to switch because, you know, you can say, well, you're creating matchup issues. Are you, though? I mean, I get it, Tyler's doors up and Sky Clark are a little bit smaller, but you're roughly the same size at every position. You're playing a lot of wings and guards out there anyways. Why not switch and try to take away the three-pointers? But it wasn't just the pick and rolls they were giving up open threes on. They're, they're you know, off offensive rebounds. They were just leaving guys open on baseline out-of-bounds plays. They were late on weak side rotation. They were the thing, other than the, than the pick and roll that annoyed me more than anything, where there were, you know, multiple, various times where there would be a driver where they didn't necessarily get beat yet on the dribble. They were almost anticipating the initial defender getting beat. And you would have the guy that was one pass away again, gap the, the drive before the guy's a threat to get to the lane and score. And whether it's Hunter Salas or whoever it was, simple one pass three over and over again. And that's like, why are you helping in those situations? And I don't know if I'm talking about Louisville or Indiana. <laughs> At that point, I don't know if you watch them. I don't get what it is about the Kentucky-Anna basketball teams this year, Coach. But Louisville doesn't defend. Indiana is a mess defensively. Kentucky, for as good as they are. And, man, I don't know if you saw any of their game last last night with what Big Z did in his first game back. It's one of the more remarkable things I've ever seen. As uh, he's, he's, the talk, he's the talk of the town right now. <laughs> as phenomenal as Kentucky is offensively, though, they still gave up. You know, I get it. Georgia had a lot of, you know, but garbage time stuff at the end, but even with four or five minutes left, they're still giving up 80 points before all that mm -hmm. garbage time points. So at, at Kentucky, it, it's kind of an insult to them to throw them in the same category as, as Louisville and Indiana at this stage. I think UK is a legit Final Four contender, while the other two teams aren't going to sniff the tournament, nor should they. But but it, it's just weird to me how, yes, the pick and roll, I think, is the biggest thing that was the culprit on Saturday, but when you see it, again, as you said, Carolina doesn't run a lot of pick roll. It didn't matter. And just doing simple things like that so many different ways. I mean, Hunter Salas, the first buck in the game, just dribbles up and, and hits a three off the dribble with, with no mm -hmm. ball pressure, no nothing, just a routine, you know, pickup jumper. That's just so easy. You can't allow that to happen if you're going to be competitive in these games. Yeah, it's frustrating as a coach as you see some of those things. 
you know, college basketball, it's 72.1% of ball screens. So you better, like you mentioned, it's not easy, but you better drill it. Are you know, are you, are you forcing it to a side? Are you, are you going to switch? Are you downing? You know, are, are, are we dropping all those type of things? And, and to your point, you know, as a, as a, as a basketball coach, and when you're getting your players to understand, does he need help? Like you're talking about coming off and, and giving gap integrity, you know, is it, is he in a situation where he is getting blown by, but you look at the blow bys as well. So they're almost ingrained in their head that they're getting beat off the bounce. So it's like, you know, philosophically, what are you trying to do from a defensive standpoint? And, you know, those things are just, they're very chaotic with the Louisville basketball team, but it bears down to like, if I'm, if I'm in that situation, I'm spending uh, two hours a day of practice on just get back drills and understanding how to get set, how to point, how to be a better transition team. Cause that's look, that that's, that's, that's where it's all comes down to. And then you don't get set. So, Oh, it, it's, it, it, it's, it's frustrating from a coaching standpoint when you're, when you're, when you know, you can't get critical stops, you don't give yourself a chance to win. Do you think Louisville knows what its defensive identity is? Because I, I've uh, kind of thought about this since, since really the Virginia game, where you know they're they're kind of put in the spot. Yes, you're, you're again they're down some dudes with, with Trainer and Evans and Corfor, and at that point Trey White as well. But but I look yeah. at what, I, I look I look at what they try to do defensively, and they come out and in, in that Virginia game specifically, they tried to play man, they tried a two three zone, they tried a one three one, they tried to press. They looked like they were just throwing as much crap against the wall as possible and hoping something stuck. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And I think that's kind of all Louisville's done the last month or so is just pull something else out of a hat and see, huh, I wonder if this will work. And that's just not a way way to play defense. You can't play and just say, okay, well, this isn't working. We're just going to play zone and we haven't spent a lot of time on it. And because, you know, zone is basically a basket for the other team. They're, they're Conceptually, if you look at it, what are they trying to do? Are they taking away the middle? Are they taking skips? What are they doing? Are they switching on ball screens? They're not doing those things. So when they do go zone, uh, I don't know if it's because of a foul trouble issue, but I think, look, you mentioned the players. A core four wasn't playing minutes to right. begin with. Evans Dennis wasn't. Evans' minutes had gone down and – you know, Trey White defensively, um, isn't you know, much. I, 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 yeah, I'd say whatever the lower is, then isn't much, then that's what <laughs> it is. Um, so like yeah. the pieces they have, and I think because they've become uh, short in their rotation, offensively, they can be a little more effective because there's guys on the floor and then they have a feel and a trust and, and so on. 
but it, 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 you know, this, the game is like, you can take it, Jack, if you were going to step in right now and coach a college basketball team, you can almost just clap during the offensive end. Yeah. You're going to want to, sh- to share the ball and you want to teach them conceptually, make the extra pass, drive gaps, get a paint touch and create. But these guys, if they're at high major basketball, they're pretty skilled offensively. That's the bottom line. When you come in as a coach, you got to decide, okay, this is what you asked me. This is our philosophy defensively. This is who we are. This is what we're going to do. And then to get guys to get on the floor, to get guys, well, I, I, you know, I use the word car crash instead of box outs. If you get guys to do that, if you get guys to be unselfish, and you know, are we going to be uh, denying? Are we going to really help? Are we keeping or forcing skips and fades? Are we keeping the ball out of the paint? What is your MO? Because I talked about the ball pressure that was applied. There's a couple of possessions. Sky Clark's hands are dead. It go, Caleb Glenn is just, you know, it, it, do I front? Do I play behind? That's something you have to be connected. You have to have that defensive DNA. This team doesn't have that. Is there – is at this point, you know, it, it's January 21st when we're recording this. You, you kind of know what your team is most of the time at this point, unless you're going to pull, you know, something like like a Calipari 2014-esque run out there, there or like UConn a couple of times of like Shabazz Napier, those guys. I just quoted 2014 twice. How about that? But, but look at you. Yeah. But most of the time you kind of feel like this is who you are at this point. Is there anything that, that they can do? Because, you know, you, you mentioned, you know, two hour practices. Usually you're cutting down on practice time at this point, getting ready for a stretch run. Obviously Louisville's in a very different spot than teams that are doing that at this stage. But is there anything that Louisville can do to try to, figure out a defensive identity and figure out, okay, this is what we're trying to accomplish on that end of the floor to try to keep us in games. Yeah. I mean, that's whether it's film at this point in in January, you don't have, right. You're not practicing, especially when you're down numbers like, like Louisville. So you don't have a lot of five on five, but you can get as many mental sweats in as you can, as possible. I mean, it's almost to the point at nauseum that you're, you're just mental sweating everything, which means, you're walking through conceptually everything you want to do on defense. All right, it's not enough to get back. You have to get sent. It, we're pointing and talking. You could do that stuff not live and dummy it up and have five guys sprinting back every single time, not jamming the rebounder, stopping the ball early, building a wall, showing it on film, showing clips of what it looks like when it's supposed to be done right, when it's not done right. Those are all things that this team can do um, where you don't have to go on the floor for two and a half hours because you're playing – you know, the games now are, are, are two or three a week, so it's, it's a little different. But, no, I mean, it, it's just it doesn't seem like there's that progression of understanding, okay, and there's a guy that has a disposition and saying, not tonight, you're not getting beat. You know, I'm not getting beat. You're not getting a paint touch. So, yeah, I, I, I don't – I think you could do it from a, from a visual standpoint, lots of film, lots of, you know, lots of breakdown drills and practice where you don't have to go live. But that's, to me, what this team needs to do, you know, to, to at least have a chance in some of these games coming up. Another thing they really got to do is they got to start better. I mean, I mean, the, you know, you look at the NC State game, they're down, what, 11-12 nothing first few minutes of the game. Carolina, they give up an 11 nothing run. They're down, you know, 15-4, to 20-8, whatever the heck it was early in the game. And I, I think Kenny Payne realized – realize that this is a tough conversation to have and, and I understand that but I, I feel like you, you have to mention it because this was his biggest story of anything with the Louisville Wake Forest game was Kenny Payne starting Zan Payne 
And I don't want to pile on the kid kid on this. It's not his fault he was kind of put in that position. But I I kind of feel like he was put in an unfair position here. He's a guy who hasn't played a lot of time to and to start him, play him 18 minutes, and kind of have that be, you know, your big change of we got to start games better, so I'm going to start Zan Payne. It, one, it didn't really work. He got attacked on both ends, ends of the floor. I mean, Wake Forest went right at him both at the start of the first half and the start of the second half. And, you know, they were going with that post-double on Brandon Huntley-Hatfield. Who were they doubling off of? Zan Payne's man every single time. And, you know, when Louisville's best offense is to get BHH going, you can't really have a dude that's not a threat to shoot or score out on the floor that allows them to just take their second tallest player and double him with, you know, Efton Reed is a really, really good, strong post player in himself to where I just thought that wasn't the right move to make it. Obviously, Zanpain's probably getting a or not probably has been getting a lot of scrutiny. And to me, that's kind of unfair for him being the coach's son thrown in that situation. But it, it's just to me, it's a lack. I, I, I'm not really sure what the right word is on it, but it's just a lack of awareness. I think of the situation to where you, you, you trot out your son there for, you know, 18 minutes where he throws up a Tony Snell. He didn't record a stat. I mean, that that's, you know, it, it sucks that he didn't play better for, you know, his sake and, and, and the team and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you're playing a dude 18 minutes that son or if he's your son or not, gave you absolutely nothing statistically on the floor and was routinely taken advantage of on both ends. Yeah. Um, look, I, it's. And I get it's know, a that, tough conversation. It, it, it's a tough that, thing yeah, to look, talk I, about. Yeah. I, yeah. I get it. And I yeah. understand that I'm reading everything that, that, you know, that's on um, X and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, maybe they were looking for that spark to start games better. The bottom line is it doesn't matter if they start the games better. It has to be consistent throughout. If they start the game better and all of a sudden it's 8-2-8-4 instead of 15-4 or something, I don't think a lot's going to change. So for all the people that are clamoring, oh, we've got to start games better. Well, of course you do. You have to have a mindset. Like it starts with warm-ups. It starts with guys being drenched with sweat and just having that disposition, like I mentioned earlier that they're going to dig in and understand the sense of urgency, not just when they're down 15 or, or 10 points or whatnot. But um, as far as starting the games, I don't know if everybody's been talking about that. And I say, like, you look at them as a whole for the 40 minutes. It's more than just that. It, it is. Yeah. So if people want the game to start better, great. But they're not philosophically doing things consistently where you said they have an identity defensively. I don't know what that is. So I don't know how much of that is going to change if, 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 if all of a sudden the lead is, you know, um, it is, it's close in the first five minutes. I just think it's going to be the same result. Yeah, I'm with you. Let, let, let's do this because we've we've drilled Louisville pretty hard here for, for about for about half an hour, close to that. And as you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and we'll have special offers for the listeners and the viewers of the Field of 68 each and every week of the college basketball season. We have a special offer that will be available starting on Tuesday, January 9th and running through Monday, February 12th, the morning after Super Bowl 58. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, in honor of the big game, you can use the bonus code FIELD158 and you'll get $158 in free bets on your first wager with BetMGM, regardless of whether or not you win that first bet. Here's how you make it work. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD158. 
1-888-532-1158. Deposit at least $5 and place your first wager on any game. You'll receive $158 in bonus bets regardless of the outcome of your bet. Just make sure that you use that bonus code FIELD158 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly, which happens quite a bit. When you cross state borders, you just log into your existing account and fire away. You don't have to create separate accounts in each state. It's easy, it's simple, it's clean. And most importantly, we have some fun stuff coming up for the heart of the college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops, odd boosts, and my favorite, a nice juicy parlay boost. So download the BetMGM app and sign up today. Field. One five eight. Let's you know. Let's let's have a little bit of fun here because we're we're here. You know, we we love talking talking you know about the games and all that stuff. But a little bit of a lighter note. I I don't want to pivot fully to Kentucky, but I do just want to mm-hmm. ask you about Big Z here. And and, and I and I, I wasn't saying you know pivot to fun. Let's talk Kentucky. I know a lot of local fans probably wouldn't like that. That but but just kind of on a national level here. I just want to get get a couple thoughts before we get out of here. And we'll start with Kentucky because one they are the other local school and two. What and I'm not even gonna try to pronounce his name, but what Big Z did in that game Saturday? Have you ever seen a dude that just hadn't played in in, in a game on on that level for you know whether it be NCA violations, injuries, suspensions, whatever it may be, and just come out and you know have a behind the back pass and hit three threes <laughs> in five uh, minutes? It, it's insanity. <laughs> yeah, look, it's nuts. You could see why they wanted him out there so bad. Um, and, you know, it's uh, not to use, again, the old small sample size. You could just tell his skill set. You can see the guy understands the play. He's not going to be the most physical guy. He's not going to be, you know, but he's got a great feel. He understands how that team is playing. He's only going to help that team and be an asset moving forward that they have another option with size that's just going to be able to be able to create and he's the perfect fit for the team that, that Calipari has put together with a bunch of scoring guards who do share the ball, but you can really score it. This team, this team is, I will say it, they're fun to watch. I mean, it's fun to watch that team play. Are they the grittiest defensive team in the world? No. But, I mean, when you're putting up 90 or 100 points, you know, that's the thing. Come, come tournament time, maybe it's a little different when, when it's a little more physical, but at the same time, I don't know. I, I just think they're fun. I, I think they definitely, I know, while Zerbiak talked about it, I would say they're definitely in contention to be a Final Four team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're 87 points or more in every SEC game they've played mm-hmm. this year, which is nuts. I mean, the question for them, I mean, you said it, I alluded to it earlier, is can they defend well enough to win, you know, three, four, five, six straight games? And right. that that question, I, I really feel like is they've left a lot to be desired on that end. <laughs> they've really struggled defensively even you know individually whether it be the Wilmington game the North Carolina game which they did win that Carolina game or AM, they just they get beat off the dribble a bunch mm-hmm. and yeah. and and the uh, shot blocking on the back end of now having all three of those seven footers absolutely helps with that but but you still get caught in rotation and give up open shots and Kentucky has not been a good defensive team so for me they go as far as the defense takes them because they they, they score with anyone but they let a lot of teams stay in games because of that, because of their defense also. And you're not going to have six straight games 
it, I mean, UConn blew six straight teams out last year, and that's a complete anomaly. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to see that in the NCAA tournament where you just blow out teams for three weeks. That's not how no, it works. You're going to no, have to win a game a different style than you what are, you're accustomed to. But you're also talking it's mid-January, and those guys are going to develop and understand all those freshmen are going to understand what teams like to do and, and, and understand because it, it's like jumping into calculus. Um, as a middle schooler, when you go to college basketball level, defend, uh, you know, defending with all the intricacies and all the little things and the communication, these guys haven't had to talk. They haven't had to communicate. They haven't had to understand little things that, you know, teams like to do with shot fakes. They can get away with it because they were so good. So now for them, yeah, I think it's a little different. I think this is where they'll grow. Um, I think they have enough um, of that of that winning acumen that they understand they'll get better defensively because yeah, you look back at last year when Duke was so talented and Tennessee just basically just bullied them to to that win teams are going to try and do that in the NCAA tournament. That's where the, but they have so many good guards. um, So many guys that can create Um, if they can just get key stops, you don't have to be perfect, but just get key stops and, you know, I, I still think this team is very formidable, even come March. Yeah, I mean, you look at it right now, college basketball is in a weird, weird spot. I, I say weird, even though it's kind of what it's become the last few years where it's just pure chaos all the time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, I look at, you know, Kentucky, even with the A&M loss, yet their their offense is incredible. I look at, I think Carolina is playing the best, the best basketball of anyone in the country right now. They've been spectacular the last month or so. Mm-hmm. I mean, Purdue's rebounded from that Nebraska loss. Was, but other than that, I mean, Kansas has dropped a couple of games. Houston's kind of had that welcome to the Big 12 moment. Uh, Duke just lost at home to Pittsburgh. Berg, I mean, last week you had, what, eight of the top 10 teams in the AP Bowl lose. It's just, it's insane to watch right now. It's a lot of fun. But who else has really stood out to you other than, than Kentucky here in the last couple of weeks, though, as we kind of get into that? There's still a lot of time left, but we're starting to kind of figure out who you are here in late January. Yeah, I think, look, um, BYU's been banged up. They've had some injuries. But you look at them, and and, the, and, and they're in the Big 12 and how they're battling. I, I just think that that's a really, really – that's another team. You know, I talked about San Diego State uh, quite a bit last year. I think this is a team that could surprise some people come tournament because they do defend and they and they play um, offensively. They're, they're really effective. How about New Mexico with my, uh, my old – Boss and my good friend Richard Bettino. I, I mean, know. I caught them. I caught yeah. them uh, uh, last week. They got a big win. Yeah, they they blew out San Diego State. They blew out uh, Utah State. Both ranked teams. Um, you could have that little trap game last night with Air Force, and they come out and they they blow the doors off Air Force. So I think they'll be in the top twenty, top twenty five this week. And uh, you know, there's always a Mountain West uh, Mountain West uh, team that could, and that team that conference is loaded. I mean, yeah, I saw where it's mentioned that there could be five or six teams coming from that conference. And if New Mexico can make some noise and get a high seed, you just never know. But I really do think I, I like Purdue. I, I think that this, you know, that conference um, has been tormented. I think this could be the year where you see a Final Four team for sure. Yeah, Illinois, now that they get Taryn Shannon back, too, I, I think is is a real threat as well. You brought up the Mountain West. I think the Mountain West very well might be the third best conference in the country. Mm-hmm. I, I'd go I'd go on the record of saying that. I mean, the Big 12 is the best, but then then probably the SEC after that. After that, it's either the, the Mountain West or the Big East. It's those two. Yeah. I mean, no, the Mountain the big, West. Again, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got, speak, speaking of old bosses, last mm-hmm. thing before we get out of here, is, is this not been the most – 
like stereotypical Rick Pitino season so far to where they, they have a lot of new pieces. They struggle some early. They, they get it together. They're, they're playing some good ball. They've lost. I know the Seton Hall game where, where, um, where, where, where Patino had COVID and was out at, at, mm-hmm. at NC Massiello coach that didn't really go very well, but they're getting these close misses with Creighton and Marquette here the last couple of weeks. That's just to be, it's setting up to where they have a really big February and head into March and I'll click on, on all cylinders, doesn't it? Yeah, look, they, they, they have the pieces, you know, they're so close, um, barring the, the, the Seton Hall game, but they're, they're right there. And so no one wants to play them. No one wants to play coach, you know, come, you know, his teams are continuing to progress. And, and by the time, uh, you know, we get to March, yeah, they're going to be they're You know, look, they got to make sure they, they hold serve and start uh, because uh, I believe they're what 12 and six now. 12 and, and seven, I believe 12 and seven. And I think 500 in the conference or maybe one game below 500. So, you know, that's, they're just going to make sure they're in position, hey, where we get into the dance. But I, I think Coach will get that going. Yeah, I, I look at it and I, I kind of think like the 2007 Louisville team where they, they you know, they, they obviously made the Final Four in 05. They had all the young talent in 06. It never really came together. First year of the Big East, that kind of hit them in the mouth. They had some struggles there early in the year. I think like 07, 08, 09, where they had struggles early in the year, lost a couple games. And then I'm not saying they'll go on and like in 08 and 09 beat be, you know, a three seed, the number one overall seed in the tournament. But that 2017, they come mm-hmm. on strong in February. They, you know, they almost picked off Georgetown, who ended up, you know, winning the Big East that year and had Roy Hibbert, all those guys. And they give Texas AM and and um uh eight, why am I blinking on his name? The star the star guard from Texas AM with with uh with Billy Gillespie in 2007. AC Law. Was I it? think you're. I think you're exactly yes, right. Yes, AC yeah. Law, and, and they give him all they can handle in that game around a 32 game. I, I don't know. I get, they give off that type of vibe to me. Also, how how poetic would it be if the selection committee put um uh d- did a Rick v Richard game as like I a mean, six as like a um three versus six matchup or a three versus eleven matchup or like a five twelve game something like that. <laughs> How nuts you, would that you, be? <laughs> uh, you never know. Look, they've yeah. already played when he was at Iona. So, I mean, you know, uh, somehow the, the tournament committee has a way of making those games uh, <laughs> quite interesting, for sure. All right. Well, that's all we got for this week's episode. We'll be back here coming up soon next week for Coach Lieberman. I'm Jack Grossman. This has been Floyd Street's Finest. We'll catch you next time.